Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Matthew Betts and Matt Okada. Welcome back to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Divisional Series. Today we're talking about the NFC West, and this is the last episode we are doing in the Divisional Series before the NFC, the, excuse me, the NFL regular season is upon us. So that's some very exciting stuff, and I am excited to be joined by my host for the last time here before the season starts, Matthew Betts and Matt Okada. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Uh... We are fired up, Kent, because we just came off <laughs> finishing about five minutes ago an epic Damian Williams debate because we Accurate. record both both uh, uh, conferences of each region on the same night. So the Damian Williams debate you guys heard probably a couple days ago, we just had five minutes ago, and it was very exciting. So I'm yeah. feeling good. <laughs> <laughs> we all, at the end of the, at the episode, as soon as we stopped recording, we all just looked at each other and we were like, oh... What just happened? I need a drink. <laughs> <laughs> I have a so, giant yeah, was, of strawberry lemonade in my hand. <laughs> yeah, that was a ton of fun. Yeah, it's a good choice. I had to get some water, but uh, I'm feeling good, ready to talk about these teams. Uh, today, we are going to be talking about the NFC West, as I mentioned before. So let's let's just kick it off right away and start talking about the Arizona Cardinals. Last year, they were 3-13. and They now have Cliff Kingsbury as their head coach, Kyler Murray as their quarterback, and uh, a couple other small changes here and there, but that's that's the biggest changes right now. Okada, I know you are a huge proponent of Kyler Murray, uh, his throwing ability, his rushing ability. Have you have you faded at all with his preseason woes? Let me just put it to you this way, Kent. Kyler, 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 <laughs> oh. talking about Kyler, Kyler. <laughs> Oh, oh. I, were we supposed to be the background singers? Or? No, no, yeah, no, I, it's fine. I got everything. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. <laughs> Although, oh, Beth loves Kyle almost as much as me at this point, so you think he would have joined in. Listen, preseason can go screw itself, all right? First of all, Daniel Jones looks like the second coming of Patrick Mahomes. That's not real life <laughs> for any of you who think it might be. The preseason is the preseason. There are some things we can take away. There are some things we can't. Number one, I don't think this offense has entirely flashed at all. I think they've kept a lot of things under wrap. They still really haven't shown much in the way of creativity or fancy plays. There was one cute play where Kyler like ran out to the side and then threw it to Larry Fitzgerald, which was a bad idea on a screen pass because he's Larry Fitzgerald and he's not fast. But we're going to see a lot more from this offense when the regular season kicks into gear. And I have seen enough from Kyler to actually grow in confidence in the one area that was concerning. And I think a lot of people probably feel the same way about this, which is the fact that he's a tiny, tiny person who wants to run around, and if he gets hit, could get injured. I have never seen a quarterback protect himself as well as we have seen from Kyler Murray this preseason. Some of that might be that it's preseason and he's just smart enough to not take a hit, but whether it's feeling pressure and just going down when he knows he's going to get sacked like Tom Brady always does, or when he does swing out on a run, knowing when to slide and knowing when to just go out of bounds, he has been extremely good at that. So I, I have lost any remaining fears in that aspect. 
I believe Kyler Murray will play all 16 games this season, and it's just a matter of how much this offense can gel and click and what we see from them. But I still believe him in a, as a QB one for sure. Okada, it's actually great that you bring that up because that's that's one of the biggest takeaways I've actually had from watching the Cardinals this preseason is Kyler Murray's ability to be smart when he has the ball in his hands, especially for a rookie and a rushing rookie quarterback. You know, I, I mean, I, I'm looking for the tweet right now. I can't find it on my timeline, but I, I pretty much reacted to what I saw and I said, it didn't look good tonight. This is after week two. But one takeaway is like the kid knows how to slide and to get down. And that is something that other players don't have, namely Cam Newton. And we've seen, you know, guys like that have some problems here with injury recently. So if he can stay on the field, I mean, the upside is obviously immense. And that's really what we're talking about here is is the upside with the rushing. Because I don't know that I'm in the camp that he's going to be fantastic at throwing the ball because I don't think he'll have time behind that dreaded offensive line. But what does that mean? Scrambling opportunities, extending plays downfield, and then, of course, rushing attack. So um, I think that alone gets him up to being a QB1 this season. So I'm with you, but you know, if our listeners have ever listened to the show before, they know I'm not quite as high as you <laughs> on Kyler. Okada, Okada, I think you're going to be proud of me. I recently joined a Dynasty startup league with some Minnesota uh, industry guys and, and Ooh, Dino some guys, Minnesota guys. In, 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 a, in the Twitter sphere. I took, uh, it is a super flex league. I took Kyler Murray at 311. How do you feel? You said it's a super flex? It is. Oh, that is so good. Yeah, I love like it. like that? Yeah. yeah. So I thought you'd be proud of me on that. I mm. I buy in. I buy into his running ability, and I still buy into his throwing ability. I, I am not worried about what I've seen in preseason. Like you're saying about Daniel Jones, people are so ready to put him in Canton. Oh, just wait a minute. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> uh, it's preseason. Um, but I like Kyler Murray. I think he's, he's going to have a good opportunity uh, in this air raid offense. So that's going to translate to some wide receivers. One more comment on Kyler Murray. Yeah, sorry. One really quick thing. The one nice part about this preseason being a little rough for Kyler is he had climbed all the way up to like the QB8 range uh, before preseason started. Probably thanks in part to, of course, the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast and maybe also the fantasy footballers that doesn't help their Cardinals fans. But if you have not drafted yet, he's fallen back down to QB13, which is the 10th round. So that is back to being a screaming value. I was still okay taking where he had gotten to, but it was a lot tougher. Now, 100%, thank you. Uh, click the draft button and move on. Yep, yeah. Yeah, his value is is much more swallowable right now. It's it's very easy to, to select like him in drafts. Like a spoonful of so. sugar. Yeah, it, yes, sure. <laughs> For the medicine. Mary Swallow Poppins, medicine. Kent. Yeah, Mary Poppins. Um Okay, so so if 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 uh, Kyler Murray does have a successful rookie season, which it sounds like we are thinking he will, uh, who's who's going to be one of the main benefactors receiving wise? And let's talk about wide receivers specifically. Oh, um, I was going to cheat. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I knew you were. I, I'm way ahead. Of, no, I, I didn't know that. But uh, what, let's put it this way: which wide receiver do you want, and where do you think you would plan on taking him in drafts? Ooh, which receiver do I want where I can realistically get them or just pure uh, sure. points? Yeah, that's fine. Let's go with that. It's going to be Fitzgerald for me. He's going in the ninth round right now, wide receiver 44. Kirk is going basically almost two rounds ahead of him because he's going at the 801 and Larry's at the 910. Um, and I have them for almost exactly the same number of fantasy points. Fitzgerald's six behind in my projections. And he's honestly probably a little safer because... 
he's a Hall of Fame goat, and Christian Kirk is kind of a hopeful breakout. So it's Larry Fitz at at the value for me, which maybe it's a hot take. I don't know. I think you could you could argue either way. I'm still willing to go in on Christian Kirk. My projections have him. Actually, I mean, I don't want to say quite a bit higher, but about 25 points higher or so uh, compared to Larry Fitzgerald. So it's small still, but yeah, I think at that price, Kirk in the eighth round is still a good value because he could be the wide receiver one in this offense. The team just lost Hakeem Butler. He's now mm. on IR with a finger injury. And there added really Michael isn't... Crabtree. They added Michael Crabtree, yeah. But who knows kind of what's left in the tank there. So right. I think it's it's going to be one of those two guys. It's either Kirk or Fitzgerald as the one. And then by default, the other one is the two. So both are going to have value this season. I would want some shares of both of them, to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't yeah. mind. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I, you know, I, I like, uh, obviously, I like Larry Fitzgerald. He's a he's one of the best football players in terms of, like, being a, an awesome human and being good at football as well. He's the best combination, I think, in and the league right now. he's a Minnesota right guy. Yeah, he's from Minnesota. That's true. Um, really? So that's, I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, he was, uh, he was a ball boy at Vikings games, actually. Oh, Fun wow. fact for you there. But um, anyway, I, I think he's still going to have an okay season. I am worried that Andy Isabella, who is a very, very talented slot receiver, uh, could start to steal work as the season goes on. And obviously, we all know Larry Fitzgerald is getting up there in age. As good as he is, uh, he, he's going to lose a little bit of a step here and there as he gets older. So I, I'm slightly worried about Fitzgerald in, in terms of reliability, a season-long aspect. Christian Kirk, I actually really love a lot. I think he he has the makings of a wide receiver one, like a prototypical X-style receiver. So uh, I'm pretty big on him. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Pretty big on him this year. Uh, very excited about his prospects going forward as well. I, you know, I noticed that um, you guys have Kyler Murray for about 23, 24 touchdowns. It, what, do you think it could be higher than that? Do you think there's Absolutely. a chance it's higher than that? Yeah. Yeah, that I, that's honestly a low number, and I kind of did that intentionally just to temper my overall love for Kyler. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but there, you know, he could 100% top that number, especially if the offense does click in, in a, well enough that they can get down the field uh, and into the red zone a lot. But also the nice thing about the way this offense works and some of the weapons, including Kirk and especially Isabella, is he can hit these guys on slants or even on screens and end up getting huge plays out of them. So they're going to spread the ball around, and a lot of these guys could pop up with good games here and there. But while that may be tougher to predict which one's which, Kyler's going to be the one hucking it to all of them. So 100% he could get higher than this for me. All right, and then let's let's talk about uh, the running back position. Pretty much just David Johnson, and if he were to go down for any reason, Chase Edmonds, uh, I think, is a solid fill-in there, uh, a high-powered handcuff, if you will. Is this the year that David Johnson gets to 1,000 rushing and 1,000 receiving? No. No? Oh. Why not? Uh, <laughs> not quite, mainly just because of how much I expect them to spread the ball around. I have him for 775 receiving, which is fairly close. That's... Closer That's than you'll really, see almost ever. And it's really uh, good still. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, if you take his, in fact, total scrimmage yards together from me, he's at uh, over 1,800. So I'm 100% in on David Johnson. He may not hit that incredible benchmark you just set for him, but he's going to be very, very good. 
Yeah, David Johnson is a guy that we just talked about, Okada, on our top 10 running back episodes. So if you missed it, go back and listen to it because we break it down in a lot more detail. But Spoiler alert, to, Pets. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I uh, I brought to, to light the fact that, you know, when Cliff Kingsbury was in college, his running backs get used at an absurd rate. Top five or top six, I can't remember off the top of my head in terms of like receptions to the running back and, and yards from scrimmage. So the running backs just get used so heavily. David Johnson's volume this season is going to be so, so safe. And last season in what was literally like a 1995 offense, he was still RB9. So with how creative this offense can be, the rushing quarterback and Kyler Murray who can really open it up for the offense and create lanes for David Johnson, I I just think this season is going to be very, very good for David Johnson. Yeah, um... 2018 David Johnson could have been the the worst combination of of solid talent being used in the worst way possible. Like mm. it was just squandered talent. Uh they were yep. smashing him up the middle of the offensive line, which how do you not put one of the better one probably one of the best pet, uh pass catching running backs in space and let him go and maneuver and and make some opportunities. But no, they just had to smash with their terrible offensive line. And, and granted, it's still a bad offensive line. But I think with these spread concepts, they should be able to kind of mask it a little bit more. Um, obviously, they didn't prove to me that they were too good at that yet. Uh, that might take a little bit of time, maybe a couple of games to really get them in in the groove. But I think long term over the season, there's a good opportunity there for J- uh, David Johnson. Um so I, I think that's it. Like I said, Chase Edmonds is a, is a handcuff, deeper leagues, and maybe like Dino. Uh, but you're not drafting him in, in most standard leagues. So let's go ahead and swing on. Or actually, uh, real quick, I suppose. Do, do you want to talk about Ricky Seals-Jones at all? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. No, he's like thank a, you. He's like a tight end three. Um, yeah. I guess there's maybe like a shot that he has like seven touchdowns this year. You know, like maybe like. Some small percent chance. Do you see that Very at all? Very small. Very uh, small. Okay. Two, two point two percent chance. Okay. Oh, that oh, let's work point that. two. You think it's that small? Yeah. I, I don't know. Seven like touchdowns is a lot. Seven. Yeah, I think it's like a five percent chance. Oh, okay. Something like that's that. pretty good. Anyway, uh, that's about all we need to say on Ricky Seals Jones. Let's <laughs> go on to the second team in the NFC West. That is the San Francisco 49ers, who were four and twelve last year. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo obviously got injured, took over, uh, excuse me, Nick Mullins took over at quarterback. Actually did very well, uh, all things considered. Big breakout year for George Kittle. We have Shanahan coming back. We have Jared Mc, uh, Jarek McKinnon getting, well, re-injured now. Um, so let's start with Jimmy G. Let's start with the quarterback. We haven't seen a lot from Jimmy yet. And so I think he's probably one of the toughest players to project right now. And I can see that kind of shows in your projections here and in the rankings. I think a lot of people have them in that kind of middle quarterback two range. Uh, but there's a, there's a big variance in how people are ranking him. So tell me tell me what you could see in the cards for Jimmy G this year. Okada and I are both at QB twenty two with Jimmy G. So we're we're there back end QB two, not on anyone's radar for single QB leagues. You know, it's just a situation where, like, coming off the injury, I wouldn't say he was a mobile quarterback by any means. Well, I shouldn't say that. He's a mobile quarterback. He wasn't a rushing quarterback. 
and that's when he got injured last year. So I think his mobility in the pocket is going to be affected this season. We saw that in the preseason games so far this year. And I even I put it on Twitter. I said, you can see it when he throws. He's really not himself yet. So I would expect a slower start for Jimmy G this season, which obviously when you look at the rank- rankings and projections, it pushes him down the board because if I project a slower start, then certainly his season totals are going to come down. Um, the pass catching options there aren't great. I mean, Kittle is going to be good, but Dante Pettis, all we've heard is negative news out of camp. Who knows what he's going to be. Marquise Goodwin can't really stay on the field. Trent Taylor's injured. I mean, Jalen Hurd was a running back and then he was a receiver and tight end. Like, you know, it's just, there's so much that's ambiguous with the situation that I think this offense has potential. I'm not willing to say it's going to happen this season, though. Yeah, that's pretty much to a T what I'm feeling about Jimmy G right now. He's There is upside there if he turns out to be the guy that we've seen in spurts. He's been very spotty, though, overall, uh, up and down, even within like preseason games. With, with a week three pre- preseason dress rehearsal game, he looked awful for a drive, and then he looked really good for a drive. And so it's hard to tell with Jimmy G what, what we're really going to get. Um, but the confidence that I would get from a really strong group of pass catchers is kind of dashed by what Betts just brought up with a uh, kind of a hodgepodge of hopeful breakouts. So, but but there is that like there's a lot of hopeful breakouts on this team. So there is a wide range of outcomes where Jimmy G could sneak up to QB one status if everyone is like playing to their full potential. Uh, or there's easily the chance that he could be out of QB2 range if this offense kind of sputters. All right, well, let's go ahead and move over to his receivers. Uh, Dante Pettis has gotten, a, a, would say, a kind of a range of predictions. I, I've heard everything from dominant wide receiver one on this team to uh, role player gadget guy. I mean, it's it's been all over the place, and apparently Shanahan's been tough on him. Uh, throughout camp, he's kind of struggled in preseason games a little bit. Uh, I, you know, I noticed Okada, you have him for over a thousand yards and seven touchdowns. What rank out of ten your belief that he can crest a thousand yards this year? Five point four. Ooh, yeah, you're, it's, you're it's on with lowering. the decimals right now. It's I know it's lowering, and I I think that I have a note to go into the 49ers projections and see if things need to shift around a little bit. Some of that is the news. Some of that is just how everyone has looked so far. Um, But yeah, there's a good chance that he kind of flops, honestly, based off what we're hearing. On the other hand, I think that there's a lot of potential that it's just Shanahan trying to jazz up his players and, you know, spur them on to better efforts and Pettis... From what we've seen of Pettis, he's very, very good as a wide receiver. So I'm hoping that it's kind of just a kick-in-the-butt kind of situation that Pettis comes out and plays really well and hits these numbers or better. So he's another one, and this is part of the reason Jimmy G is hard to project, that is hard to project. He could easily be mid-range wide receiver two, or he could fall almost to obscurity if he just does not play well and gets overtaken by another wide receiver one on this team. All right. Um... Bets, you're a little bit lower on him. It looks like you've got an interesting season uh, for Marquise Goodwin maybe providing a little bit of uh, fantasy uh, relevance here. Did, would you agree with that, or or do you think that Pettis is still the only guy you really want to touch and draft this year? Um, 
Yeah, I think in drafts, I mean, we'll talk about George Kittle, but for me, he really is the one, and then Pettis right now is the two for me. I think Marquise Goodwin is is like a sneaky best ball target that no one really talks about, and that's where I think his value is. I can't really see a scenario where I'm confident enough to put him in my starting lineup on a week-to-week basis from a redraft perspective, but the guy is an Olympian. He is fast as whatever say something fast give me give me help here a cheetah obviously cheetah. Oh, but tyree kills no 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 tyree kills claim the cheetah that's like trademark you can't go with that how about yeah. like a mako shark they're the fastest in the water you know okay we'll go with that he's as fast as a mako shark. and they're in san francisco so the bay look mm, at that it's perfect nice. you know I'm so marquis skibwin is gonna swim downfield like a mako shark and beat <laughs> defenders deep like it will happen this season yeah it's a matter of health and it's a matter of consistency with jimmy g if those two things come together, I think Marquise Goodwin's going to surprise some people this year. Yeah, I I have actually a ton of Marquise Goodwin on best ball rosters that I've been doing all off season. Uh, he's free. He's free, free, free. So free. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I I'm not as excited about him in any you know league where I have to make lineup decisions, but uh, I am I'm worried about Pettis. I really am. So. I don't see anyone else in the receiving core really being someone worth drafting. Debo Samuel's like a a, um, a dino guy, maybe Jalen Hurd. Uh, but let's talk about George Kittle, who mm. last year set set the tight end yards record, right? He, he beat Kelsey in the last week yes. after he had he just set it. Travis yeah. Kelsey's record. It was 55 minutes after Kelsey set it. What? Oh, it was week. that same week. Same yes. week. Okay, yes. So um, obviously – Huge breakout season for George Kittle. Uh, it looks like you guys are kind of on board with him returning to form. Uh, you know, some people have mentioned the possibility that it was Nick Mullins that was really eyed in on Kittle and that Jimmy G might not have been as likely to. He played a couple of games with Kittle and was not as locked in. Uh, but you guys like him. So tell me why you like him and why he will turn to top three tight end status. Yeah, there there is a realm of possibility where that was the case, that Mullins just really liked Kittle. But the simple fact of the matter is he is the most talented player on this offense. And Shanahan is smart enough, and I think Jimmy G is smart enough, having been trained by the sensei himself, Tom Brady, to know throw the ball to George Kittle and you don't have to get it to him that far down the field for him to then take it that far down the field I think believe he led the entire league in yards after catch uh yeah they're gonna target him I believe more than anyone on the team he's going to have more efficiency than anyone on the team I don't think he quite hits the peaks he did last year just because that is record shattering peaks that he hit but he doesn't have to to still be my tight end, too. So that's where he currently sits for me. Yeah, George Kittle is a wide receiver in a tight end's body. I mean, this dude, his athletic profile is absurd when you look at the testing, um, you know, spark score and that sort of stuff. He's he's off the charts, and I think we saw that last season. Obviously, you know, Nick Mullins versus Jimmy G, I, I don't think anyone's really going to debate who's the better quarterback. If Jimmy G can get right from a health perspective – I think he can do what Nick Mullins did last year for George Kittle and more. So I think uh, I think the ceiling is immense with George Kittle. I also want to be realistic that there is a floor. Like if Jimmy G really isn't as good as everyone thinks he is, George Kittle might 
disappoint fantasy owners. And I found myself being scared to draft him at his current ADP because he is my third ranked tight end. So I still like him, but you have to invest so much. And we've only seen it for one season. I, I'm worried about this offense in general. And part of that comes down to the quarterback play. And obviously that affects George Kittle. Yeah, and I was just gonna say real quick, and, and George Kittle's also awesome on Twitter. He's like telling all his fantasy football owners, he's oh, like, true, true. I'm gonna I'm gonna get it done for you this year. I'm gonna score so many points for you. He's just a cool dude. So yeah, uh, he is hilarious. Yeah, what were you gonna uh, say, Okada? Well, I was gonna say he's right now, and I don't I think this is a little bit of a drop, maybe, but he's down at the three oh seven. Yeah. Third so mid to late third round. Beth, if if you're feeling a little uncomfortable there, and maybe you're not, but if you are, where does he have to fall to, do you think, for you to really pull the trigger? Probably the fourth round, honestly. Okay. I mean early fourth? Yeah. Because right. the difference between he, Ertz, and Kittle or excuse me, uh Kelsey is just so different. Like Kelsey is legitimately like a top ten wide receiver, and so I'm good drafting him where he's going. But these other guys, Ertz and Kittle, I think they're gonna dial back a little bit this season. So I think they're being drafted at really what their ceiling is, and I never like to do that with players. So, yeah, I've passed on him a lot. I still like him, and I can't fault anyone for wanting to to give it a shot with him. But I just find myself when I'm on the clock, he's there. The running backs and receivers going around him, I I just end up taking above him. Well, don't look at my Scott Fishbowl team then. Um, no, I took him early second there, and granted, uh, that's got some tight end premium to it, so it's a little bit different, but um, yeah, I, I'm very excited about him. I think he's going to be a perennial top three tight end for many years, um, unless something drastic changes. So let's talk about the running back core here. Uh, I, I, you know, I see you guys haven't changed your your uh, projections to account for Jarek McKinnon's flare-up, and that's understandable. It just It just came through the pipeline. So it's pretty much Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida now, and that's awesome. I think because a lot of people were – well, okay, I don't want to say that's awesome because Jarek McKinnon is being injured is not awesome. But for the fantasy value of Coleman and Breida, it's awesome because now you – there's very clear like roles defined now, and you can, you can actually get some fantasy relevance from them. So uh, who would you kind of divvy up McKinnon's role – two between Coleman and Burita. Um I think Coleman gets a larger chunk of overall touches, but Burita maybe gets a little bit more of the receiving work that I would have uh, laid on McKinnon, which makes both of them better. And to your point, while I was a McKinnon truther and really wish it was him heading the backfield, this is honestly a better situation for fantasy because now we don't have to worry about a three-headed monster. We get to worry about a two-headed monster and we know Shanahan's offenses can support that if they're clicking well, which, of course, does depend on Jimmy G and several other things. But it's an, it was enough to get Tevin Coleman up right to the cusp of RB2 range for me. Honestly, I feel like any other year he would be a mid-range RB2, but I just like a lot of guys in that like 18-ish to 28-ish range, and he comes right in there with like the Sony Michels, David Montgomery's stuff, guys like that. So for now, it's definitely Coleman, and I'm willing to draft him. But Brita might be the better value because I think he is going to get a decent amount of those touches. Yep, I I agree with that. I've found myself taking both guys, maybe not on the same team, but 
in different scenarios. I do want some exposure to Coleman. I definitely want some exposure to Breda. Um, Breda, I think you could argue, might be one of the best values in fantasy football this season because I don't know that his ADP is really caught up to all of this news surrounding McKinnon. Um, my projections right now, which are not accurate at the time, but will be by the time this comes out, show the most recent reflection of McKinnon with his first flare-up. So I had McKinnon as the lead of the backfield, then the flare-up happened the first time. I brought him down you know, pretty far, gave most of that work to Coleman and Breda. Now I honestly am going to have McKinnon with like 20 rush attempts, like maybe. And it's going to be split up between Coleman and Breda. Both guys, I think, are going to be RB2 flex conversation pieces all season long. So at Breda's price, you really can't go wrong. Yeah, so speaking of the value, um, you know, Tevin Coleman has gone up in, in draft value since the news of McKinnon, but not as much as Breda has. He was back not even three weeks ago in the 13th round, and he has already jumped up to mid- the middle of the eighth round, which I still think is a mm. fantastic value. It's starting to get a little bit tougher. Um and, and you know, and I don't think I have any shares of Coleman yet because his price is is still a little bit higher, uh, and people are reaching a little bit more than I think I'm willing to. Uh, but uh, Burita, I think, is still a good value at, in the middle of the eighth round. Yeah, I think he's still got about a round of headroom before yeah. he's starting to hit that point yep. where I'm like, oh boy, oh boy. Yeah, yep, that's a good point. So before we get on to our third team today, it is sponsor time. Yeah, it is. The fantasy footballers are sponsoring this podcast because those guys are awesome. And, and the they're Cardinals kit. fans. And That's this true. is the yes. Cardinals podcast. This is their episode. You guys think we don't plan this, but we do. We actually don't. <laughs> this was pure luck. Yeah. <laughs> Literally five minutes before. What do you guys want to do? All right. The ballers. They are crushing it when it comes to their ultimate draft kit. I mean, it is the premier industry when you talk the premier tool i should say in the industry when you talk about draft kits and draft tools so go get it if you haven't and you have a draft like this week or like monday tuesday wednesday of next week right before the kickoff all of the information you need is in this draft kit they've got an app for your phone they've got matt Harmon's reception perception they've got my injury reports all of their projections rankings breakouts bus sleepers you name it this product has it and you got to hurry, get it quick, get it at redshirtsudk.com, use the promo code redshirts, and you get 10% off. And you know what? The best thing about it is, I'm sorry, Okada, but the best thing about it is it's not even just for your draft. You can use that in season. I mean, there's more information than you know what to do with in that thing. So go get it. Yeah. yeah and, and oh, oh, we all gosh. just love this. So Okada, you go ahead next. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, one of the main reasons that we partner with the UDK uh, is that it's their job. Okay, they're professional football, fantasy football experts, which means all these updates that sometimes we're talking about and things on maybe that we haven't quite updated yet, they will have this stuff updated in the UDK literally minutes after it happens. They will tweet like 10 minutes after Andrew Luck retires, the UDK is updated. So get the UDK so that you have all this stuff right off the bat and then, you know, listen to us and we'll give you our takes as well. Actually, I'm yep. sorry. I have to correct you. The tweets after Andrew Luck retired were more like, what? <laughs> True. <laughs> I mean, we were all saying that. I can't but, blame but anyone. But they did update the draft kit very quickly, yeah. All right, well, let's move on to the number two team that was in the NFC West last year, and that is the Seattle 
Seahawks, they went 10 and 6, and they ran the ball 500 trillion times. Mm. Um, we'll talk about that. Obviously, Russell Wilson returning here. They have Chris Carson and Rashad Penny. Uh, they lost Mike Davis to the Bears. Um, let's see. They lost uh, Doug Bears. Baldwin. Yeah, lost Doug Baldwin to injury slash retirement. A little bit of both there, I think. Uh, and then they picked up a super jacked rookie named DK Metcalf who runs really, really fast. Mm. Uh, and those, I think, are the biggest changes. So, uh, you know, as usual, start with Russell Wilson. Last year, I think people are going to call it a down year for him, but he was still really efficient as a quarterback, even though it didn't translate to fantasy uh, value so much. Uh, I think it was – I actually don't have the numbers in front of me. It was in the mid to low 30s for touchdowns, 34 touchdowns. Does that sound right? Uh, you guys have him projected at 24 and 27. I'm assuming you're seeing some regression here. Tell me what you think about that. Yeah, this is a really tough one, to be honest, to project because one of the big things that we do when we're looking at projections is try to calculate in regression for over-efficient players. And Russell Wilson was that last year by a mile – but he's also been that most other years of his career. He refuses to regress to the mean for the most part. So it's hard to decide with Wilson, how far do I drop him down from the insane touchdown percentage and, and just overall efficiency that he had last year. He had a perfect passer rating throwing to Tyler Lockett for heaven's sakes. That's just not feasible. And for me, it was a decent amount, but honestly, it's more about the the offense as a whole and the way that they want to go, which is run, 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 and then run seven more times and then pass once. Uh, literally, <laughs> I have them last in the league in passing. So, And that's not because they're a bad team. It's because they are a pretty decent team with great running backs, a, a okay line, and a strong desire to run the ball. And I think that they'll be able to do it and they will succeed doing it. And Wilson will just not have the volume to be the QB one we would like. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you there. We had our bold prediction show with Jason Moore, um, like two months ago at this point, so a long time ago. But I said Russell Wilson will not finish as a QB one for the first time in his career, and I truly believe that. I mean, like you said, Okada, this is a run first offense through and through. They're the definition of a run first offense. And when you look at kind of his career arc, when you look at the passing yardage. You know, Russell Wilson's only been above 4,000 yards passing two seasons, and it's come down a lot in the last two seasons. I think that trend continues because of the fact that they want to run the ball. And in those two seasons, when his passing yardage came down, his attempts came down, his touchdowns went up. So that does not fit from a statistical standpoint. 8.2 touchdown percentage last year, crazy efficient. It has to come down. I think it will. And I just think it's a scenario where literally everything has to go right for Russell Wilson to be in the top 12 this season. And now we have to talk about it a little bit with injury. He just lost David Moore to a fracture in the shoulder. He's losing DK Metcalf probably for a week or two because of a knee injury. Like, Jerron Brown is the wide receiver too. Like, who who's catching the ball for Russell Wilson? If he doesn't get it on the ground in terms of rushing, he will really disappoint fantasy owners this year. Jazz Hans Ferguson is going to catch the ball oh, for him. There it is. <laughs> Am I mistaken in believing that he's thrown a pass to himself before? Do you guys remember Ooh, who did that? That sounds that was, no, no, that, that, yeah, no, that was Mariota. Yeah, that was Mariota. I knew someone. Yeah, I okay. 
Um, so he's hopeless. He can't throw it to himself. <laughs> so, all right. So back back to Russell Wilson. I think there's a chance that he returns to the 30 touchdown mark. Uh, three out of the last four seasons, he's hit that. And the, the one time he doesn't uh, didn't was when 2016. It was the last year uh, when they had a really, really good defense, like Legion of Boom, uh, you know, top five defense in the league, without doubt. Uh, they don't have that anymore. And in fact, it is it is it has gone quite downhill relevant to that year. So, you know, there's at least going to be playing from behind potential here, even though they do run the ball a lot, even if they're ahead or behind or they don't care. Uh, Schottenheimer is just going to run the ball to death. There's still going to be opportunity to have Russell Wilson trying to catch up. And even if they run pass play or excuse me, even if they're running a ton of run plays, he's going to have to pass to get back in some of these games. So, uh, you know, they were 10 and six last year. It's not like they are world beaters. Uh, they'll, they'll run the ball for sure, but I think there's still an opportunity for 30 touchdowns. So, you know, talking about running, let's, let's talk about the running backs. Cause I think a lot of people were expecting Rashad Penny year two breakout. He was a first round running back. Uh, but Chris Carson, he seems to be maintaining his lead. Um, it looks like, uh, it looks like Betts is a little bit more confident in that take. And it looks like Okada is a little more thinking that Penny will step up his game and be a number like a one A or excuse me, a one B to Carson's one A. So Betts tell me, let's let's start with Betts here. Betts, tell me why you think Carson will maintain the lead, and then we'll have Okada counter with the uh the opposite. Yeah, Mr. Well, Penny Truther. What's yeah, going I was on here? Say for for listeners that have been with us from the start, you may recall last summer I was quite high on one Rashad Penny. And I still believe he's a good running back, but you cannot deny what is happening in Seattle. Everything that you see in preseason carries, everything you see from beat reporters, the coaching staff, it's all Chris Carson positive news, and it's all whispers regarding Rashad Penny. Like he, he just he hasn't done it. And you can you can make the argument and say, okay, they took him in the first round. In theory, they should want to make it work with Rashad Penny, but why would they? Because Chris Carson is, he's a very, very good running back in this league and undervalued in my opinion. I just, I flipped the, flipped the script. I mean, I'm in on Chris Carson this season. The volume is going to be there. I think both guys will have weeks where they're startable in fantasy, but Chris Carson, I found myself every time he's there in round four or five, it's an easy uh, decision for me to draft him. I, I think he's as safe as they come this season. Well, I'll tell you what, Kent, uh, the fact that the Rashad Penny truther has given up on Rashad Penny just swayed me. I've not given bit. up. I've not given up. I've <laughs> just, just accepted that Chris Carson is going to be very good. Yes, he is. Um, I actually just slightly tweaked during uh, Betts's speech, not necessarily because of Betts' speech, but just because I realized I kind of had it a little too even. Um, so I had Chris Carson over a thousand yards rushing. Anyways, now he's right up to the uh, right around eleven hundred, pretty much just right at that spot. Uh, but Penny still has 750 for me and six touchdowns, which is quite good and very much startable, at least as a flex. Um, and I think it's largely because, A, he's talented. He's a first-round running back. B, with as much as this team wants to run the ball, it's going to be a smart choice to switch between these two guys. And I think that Pete Carroll is smart enough to do it. I don't think that this is going to be a team who says, well, I've got to stick with our RB1 and just force Chris Carson <laughs> into the line. Uh, first of all, he has not stayed that healthy very reliably, so it's not a good idea from that perspective. But just overall, 
with Penny's talent, why would you give one guy 25 carries a game and run him into the ground when you could give one guy 18 or 19 or 20 and the other guy a dozen and have fresher legs all year long? So I think that both will be valuable. I still think Chris Carson's a great value. Um, and I honestly think Penny probably also is a value. Uh, the, as the, the amount that I think this team is going to run, I think they can support two good running backs. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, Carson, I do like Carson as the lead back this year. I think he's going to have most of the touches. Um, but Rashad Penny, now his value is falling, and I think he's starting to become a very good draft value, currently going in the eighth round now. I mean, that's mm. that's pretty low, all things considered. He has an opportunity to get, I think, like at least 700 rushing yards without, without even trying uh, if they're going to run as much as we've seen them do last year. So... Uh, without Mike Davis there, there's, there's plenty of more opportunity to go around uh, that people kind of aren't really adding into the equation. And and I think there's enough room for both these guys to be relevant. So I like Penny where he's at. Yeah, and I will say quickly, he's kind of going at the top of the handcuff range, but I think he holds better than handcuff value by a long shot, which is why I think he's a value in the eighth round. But we didn't mention it. If Carson were to go down and Rashad Penny were to have to take the oh. lion's share, oh my yes. goodness. We're yes. talking no, 25 plus uh, carries a game. I'm sorry. Okay, he's not on the lions. He's on the Seahawks. Oh, you, you screwed the that Seahawks. up. Yeah. Scree! Uh, <laughs> it would be very good for fantasy. Oh my lord. I broke bets. Oh, that's incredible. Um, yeah, what sound so, does a Seahawk make? Anyways, I don't even know what a Seahawk is. Not uh, my best guess. It's just a hawk. It's just a hawk that flies over the sea. I think. Okay, then I feel like that was close. <laughs> uh, we'll go ahead and say you nailed it. So well, let's you, move, you. move on over to the wide receiver position. Uh, Tyler Lockett now picking up the sticks here as the number one wide receiver on this team. Doug Baldwin, like I said earlier, is gone. Uh, they drafted DK Metcalf. They have an injured David Moore. Uh, they have a Jerron Brown and a Gary Jennings, which are things. <laughs> they have a Jerron Brown. Yeah. <laughs> they have um, one Jerron Brown. They, they have sketchy guys basically beyond the top two and a half wide receivers. So um, you guys actually are kind of lower on Tyler Lockett than I, than I, than I expected to see. Even if you are projecting a low pass volume in this, this offense, it's hard to not funnel it through, through Tyler Lockett, uh, Lockett for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's fair. Like, the numbers just, when you put them in the projections, the numbers just have to break down the way they do. And, you know, if, if I'm projecting Russell Wilson to have the lowest passing total of his career, obviously I can't keep elevating Tyler Lockett. So that's why his numbers look the way they do. But I've got him right around, like, like wide receiver, I can't remember off the top of my head, 20 to 24, or somewhere in that range. So I still like Lockett a lot this year. I think he's pretty much it for the passing attack outside of ancillary pieces like you mentioned. And if there's one thing I took away from the preseason action so far from the Seahawks, it is that Tyler Lockett is the first read every time, and it's on play action, which I think is going to be very effective this season because of this offense's you know, uh, approach to want to run the ball first. So I think Lockett has a great year this year. I don't know that he really keeps taking steps forward. I think he maybe is what we saw last year, but... Obviously, that's great for fantasy, and I would be very happy to have him on my roster. Yeah, I think that there will be some shifts uh, in my projections depending on how these injury situations kind of pan out over the next week. Uh, and there's a good chance Tyler Lockett will climb. It, it, I'm a, it's so hard to 
like Russell Wilson to figure out what to do with him because you know you have to this is kind of like Patrick Mahomes too you know you have to bring the number down uh as far as like the catch rate and the yards per reception and the touchdown rate and all this but you don't know how far you should bring it down because the efficiency was so good it's like are they really just that good together or was that a complete fluke um so it's it's tough to make the call but he will be at the back end of wide receiver two range for me as well yeah, uh, that's that's a fair spot to put him to if you're being conservative about it, which is understandable. So, um, do, do you think DK Metcalf has a chance to kind of? Uh, I don't I don't really know what to explode onto the scene. You know, he's got he's got all this hype behind him for how like fast he is, how big and strong he is. Uh, but people worry about his agility a little bit. Could he be like a big play guy that really puts it together this year, or no? Yes, I think so. We talked way back on the rookie podcasts, I believe, is when we talked about this. Maybe it was slightly, you know, it had to have been, oh, yeah, I don't know. It was sometime way back in spring, pretty much. We talked about DK Metcalf, and I said, you kind of just have to take a side with this guy. Either he can figure out his agility and he's going to be dominant, or he's going to be a, uh, who's that guy with three names? Doriel Green Beckham. Yep. That seemed like a yeah, that just bombs. And I think it's I think it's got to swing pretty much one of those ways. Um and I'm I'm going to lean towards the dominance side of things. He's just really good. The few snippets we've seen out of camp of him, he looks like he can move fine. Uh so I believe that he will be a good wide receiver in the league and that could happen as early as this year. I'm not going to necessarily bet on it, but the chance is definitely there. Yes. You so you say you have to be on a side. I don't find myself there. Like <laughs> I legitimately think there's going to be weeks where DK Metcalf goes for four receptions and 120 yards and a touchdown, and then other weeks where he has three receptions for 25 yards. Like I, this season is not it for DK Metcalf, especially not coming off of a knee surgery. Which you know you can hear whatever Pete Carroll's saying, but it's not true. Like he's having surgery at the end of August the season is less than a week away when this podcast comes out he's not going to be ready and even if he is active he's not going to really play a ton of snaps how quickly does he get ramped up how much does that matter losing time with Russell Wilson I mean the the ceiling obviously is immense with the physical profile of DK Metcalf but I still lie in the camp that he's so raw that it won't happen this season I think it's going to happen maybe next season and beyond but this season I'm not touching DK Metcalf okay um Let's talk real quick, I guess, about the tight ends. Um, Will Disley, last year, week one, three receptions for 105 yards and a touchdown. Week two, Yeesh. three receptions for 42 yards and a touchdown. Oof. Week three, one reception for four yards, and then week four, one reception for five yards and got injured. This is, uh, I don't think there's a reason to project him for any kind of meaningful season, but is there like just a little bit of interest? Yes, I would say that ex- exactly what there is, Kent. Yeah, there is a no reason to project him for a great season, but a little bit of interest. <laughs> um, it, listen, they looked really good together. He looked explosive. He had some huge plays, and there, as we have just talked about, trying to get to this wide receiver section, there is nothing else to throw the ball at on yep. this offense. So, if he step, takes a step forward, he could be a pretty decent breakout tight end. Uh, and of course, stays healthy, which I don't think there's any fear of. Could be interesting, but I'm probably not drafting him unless I have a really deep bench. I'm probably just watching him on waivers. Well, Okada, you said injury is not a concern. For me, it's a big concern. Oh, really? 
he ruptured his patellar tendon last season, and that is the same injury Jimmy Graham had. Who, granted, Graham, you know, proved the statistics wrong and came back from. Didn't he have ten looking, touchdowns with the Seahawks after he came back from that? Mm, Am I, don't I know wrong off on top that? My head, I'd have to look it up. He definitely performed at a level that was beyond what he should have for Jimmy Graham, but it's another injury that doesn't really tend to tend to work out well in the first season back. So Will Disley, I think, is interesting. I just don't know that it happens this year because of that injury. Yeah, that's all I really want to say about Will Disley. So uh, we can go ahead and move on to the last team in the divisional series, the last team in the NFC West, which is the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, 13-3 and last year did very well under Sean McVay, Jared Goff, uh, the wide receiver trio. I mean, Cooper Cup got injured. We might be able to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson. We talked about him last episode. So anyway, <laughs> mm. uh, <laughs> Jared Goff seems to be like one of the best values in draft right now. And I feel like I say that like about a million quarterbacks, but it's all <laughs> true. Um, and again, a sign that you should never, ever, ever draft a quarterback in one quarterback league. Just wait until the last round, pretty much, before you're kicker in defense. But Goff feels really undervalued. If if Cooper Cup can be and stay healthy, this is going to be a huge year for Goff. So true, Kent. Preach. Yeah. Um, I guess I can ask bets here. Do, what's the likelihood that Cooper Cup is 100% at the season start and can stay healthy? Yeah, I mean, you put the, the two questions there together. I'm rising on Cooper Cup. My projections don't really reflect oh. it accurately yet. I need to update it, but everything out of camp has been glowing regarding this guy. You know, I was reading a beat reporter's article about his recovery and kind of how he's been approaching his rehab, and he's just been really hands-on with it and kind of changing what they need to, and he's been consistent with his diet. Like, the dude is locked in and dialed in, so if there's anyone that's going to do it in their first season back from an ACL injury, it's going to be Cooper Cup. Um, he's already out there without a brace, which is big time for a player coming off of an ACL injury. I I still have a little bit in the back of my mind that maybe the first month might be a little, a little bit slower than what we're used to for Cup, which is fantastic. But I think when you look back on this season, you're going to remember the second half of the year as Cooper Cup being the same old Cooper Cup. So yeah, I, I'm definitely excited about Cup and obviously this offense in general. Well... That is going to mean I have to do some adjustments because I have been keeping my love for Cooper Cup under wraps while Betts has told me he needed time to get up to full speed. And now I am unleashed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, as, as anyone knows who's followed me for any amount of time, I love Cooper Cup. He's one of my favorite players in the league. I just really like him as a receiver and in this offense particularly because I know that Jared Goff loves him. I know that Sean McVay loves him. I know that he will be where he needs to be and that that place will be extremely valuable because McVay knows how to put guys in positions on the field to make big plays. And for Cooper Cup, more than anything else, that means standing on the L of Los Angeles Rams in the end zone, ready to catch the touchdown eight to 12 times so yeah i love him he's he's probably going to take a little bump up which he's already well into my wide receiver two range but early the in the in the off season before bets kind of slapped me around a little bit i had him right at fringe wide receiver one 
uh, in my ranking, and there's a chance he moves his way back towards that, depending on oh. how many touchdowns I give him. We will see. Interesting. It, it but should be. I, I oh. will say, circling back to Goff, because that's kind of how we got on to Cup, I fully agree with you, Kent, that Goff is extremely undervalued. I right now have him as my QB5, which I think is pretty hot. He's been one of the guys I'm rising the most on this offseason. I think we saw a, a lot of times... The very first few weeks of a fantasy season and the very last few weeks of a fantasy season are the ones that drafters remember because the first ones just sear that into our mind immediately and then it's hard to forget, and the last ones are what is most recent. And for Goff, the end of last season was not pretty, and I think that's largely because Cup was gone. Yep. With him back, if you look at the, the, the numbers that he had when Cup was there, we're talking QB1, as in the QB1 kind of paces. Uh, well, assuming Mahomes doesn't do what he did again. But he he has that potential in this offense if things go right. So I love Goff. Yeah, and uh, you know, on the wide receivers, I was going to say it should be mentioned that these three guys are all going within seven picks of each other right now in the fourth round, which lends itself to the strategy that just, just take the last one available. Um, I mean, honestly, they're all probably going to be around 1,000 receiving yards and around six or seven touchdowns, um, somewhere in that range. You know the Rams love their 11 personnel, and that means all three of these guys are going to be on the field uh, as much as possible. So there's real, really no going wrong if you get the last of the three guys available, which is probably going to be Woods or Cup, depending on who's in your league. I think Cooks is pretty much usually the one, uh, and then the other two kind of flip-flop. So... Uh, yeah, uh, I'd take any one of those guys for sure, though. They're all reliable. Yeah, I don't think it's a question of, of if they're reliable or if they're going to be good. I think we all agree that they are, you know, at worst, like top 15 options at the position. I think the question is, if they're going so close together, let's say you're at the turn, would you guys be comfortable taking two out of these three receivers and playing mm. them every week? No. No, I don't do that. Um, that's more of like a personal thing. I mean, it's it's not really about the Rams. It's about I just never take two wide receivers from the same team uh, if I can help it. It just it just caps your upside a little bit more than any other combination. Uh, I think I might be willing to do it if one, one of them has to be Woods because I feel like Woods gives you the best floor. And then if you take one of the other two guys, I feel like most weeks between your duo, you're going to get a eight six to eight catch floor from woods and either a touchdown or a huge game from brandon cooks depending on which guy it is and so you always have a chance at upside and a floor i don't mind it, it it's hard for me to say these guys are all wide receiver twos and not say i'd be happy to have two of them on my team so it, I, I don't know I'm, i think i'm all right with it yeah i just wanted to throw that scenario out there because i found myself in drafts like really tempted to do it and then i i kind of fall with with kent in that it does cap your upside a little bit, but looking back on the season totals, you're going to be like, oh, man, player X was worse than Cooper Cup. I should have taken him. Yeah. So I, it's an interesting strategy. I was just curious to get your guys' thoughts on it. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a good concept. Um, let's uh, – let's real quick – I guess – no, there's no reason to talk about the tight end position really here. I mean, Gerald Everett's like a best ball late, late round, and that's it. So I think that's – all that needs to be said there but uh in the running back category we have of course Todd Gurley who has had his issues with the knee and all this stuff and he wasn't really used very much at the end of the season last year and a lot of people raised questions about uh whether or not he was actually healthy or if he was doing something wrong or th there was a lot of stuff in the air a lot of 
uh, uncertainty. So they they brought in Darrell Henderson, which I think we talked about on our rookie podcast a while back as probably one of the, the most talented running backs in this class. And so he projects to be kind of a pass-catching role uh, behind Gurley with a little bit of bonus uh, rushing attempts in there as well. So what do you guys think first? Well, I guess bets. What do you think about Gurley and his knee situation right now? And and how are you feeling about his availability this season? We just talked about this on the running back rankings episode, which um, I went into a lot of detail in that situation. So I'll try to be a little bit more concise here since we don't have as much time. But here's the, the short of the situation. It is a season-long management issue, meaning it's not going to be like, okay, it's week one, he played, he started, we're good to go. It's also not going to be if he has a little bit of soreness here or there or is on the injury report, he's done. Like It's going to be a very fluid situation, but when it comes down to it, I really do think the Rams learned from what happened last season. They are not going to run Todd Gurley into the ground the way they did last year and then lost him for the playoff push, and obviously that hurt them. So I think they're smart. I think they give him around 15-ish touches a game to try to manage workload. I think they keep him out of practice on Wednesday, keep him out on Thursday, have him do the walkthrough Friday, play Sunday, repeat. And that's going to be an RB1 season for Todd Gurley. So I'm confident in him this season as long as the Rams make the right choices. Um, And Okada and I both have said, we're good to go on Todd Gurley. Draft him with confidence. Yeah. Um, I, in that dino startup uh, I just did, I got Alvin Kamara at number two. And then on the on the second round at the 11th pick, I got Todd Gurley. Uh, and I felt real good about that. So, um, yeah, it's very exciting stuff. But I agree with you guys. I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to get enough touches to still be fantasy relevant. I think this offense is good enough where he's going to get touchdowns. Uh, he's been the biggest touchdown monster these last two seasons, and there's there's no reason to believe that that will stop. So I agree. I you know he went down draft boards quite a bit this offseason, but uh, recently I've really I said early second is a okay with me uh, as long as any especially if you can get another running back before him feels a lot better. Uh, do do you guys? I I guess I don't know if you mentioned. Did you do you have any belief that Darrell Henderson can be? Um, Maybe like week-to-week spot start kind of a guy this year? Mm, He's not a bad best ball pick because I think he'll probably score a couple touchdowns and have a couple big plays throughout the season. But I don't know if it's going to be very easy to predict wins. So from a redraft standpoint, it's tough. He's still a great handcuff. Um, I feel, I don't know, 70, uh, that's a little, 69% confident that it would be him over Malcolm Brown which isn't great, and at their draft prices makes it tough, but if you can get him at a reasonable cost, uh, he's, you know, ownable for sure. Yeah, Daryl Henderson's a guy that I was really high on this season going into it, into the the training camp process and preseason, but he hasn't really been great rushing the ball. Like, he hasn't looked good in between the tackles, and it's kind of weird because the scheme that he ran in – in college at Memphis is similar to that of the Rams. You would think it would translate pretty easily for this guy. So I think maybe he figures it out as the season goes, learns more from Todd Gurley, becomes better. So yeah, definitely draftable. I just think it's kind of a situation to maybe slow play. Don't go into it thinking you have a starter in Henderson. You might have one later in the year. Um, And then let's not forget about Malcolm Brown, 
who is definitely part of the equation. And I just want to point out, too, for our listeners, go to the website, redshirtsfantasyfootball.com. There's a great article that just got published uh, on Wednesday with uh, Stephen Pintado looking at the situation in detail. So check that out if you want more info. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. That's awesome stuff. That's I don't have anything else to add. Uh, Okada, are you good? Uh, yeah. We got to talk about Kyler Murray. So <laughs> I feel like I didn't, you know, it, listen. It's hard for me to keep hyping up Kyler Murray because I've done it so much. I just feel bad slapping the listeners around with it. So I feel like I was maybe a little tempered earlier, but I love Kyler Murray. Please. <laughs> I want more. Yeah. There. That's all I got. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up the NFC West show and then the divisional series, which means that's it for me, folks. I am out as the honorary guest host of the Red Shirts uh, the season will be taken over, of course, by Okada and Betts, and I'll be I'll be busy with uh, my my son who's coming here in the next couple of months. So uh, I wish you guys the best of luck uh, for the season. Continue being awesome podcast hosts. Uh, I hope I can jump on occasionally when I have time. Um, uh, and I'm glad I could come back come back and do this series with you guys before uh, the season kicks off. So are we? Yeah, for sure, man. It's always great to have you back. You are an OG red shirt, so you can come back anytime you want. Oh. Whenever you need a break from that dad life, you just let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Um, all right. Well, like I say, on at the end of all these episodes, be sure to check us out at RedShirtsFFPod on Twitter, and that is RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com. We have tons of awesome content over there, articles, the podcasts, um, all sorts of stuff, the rankings. Uh, go check it out. Yeah, these guys work so hard on it, and uh, I put in a little bit of work too, but really they keep it going. So um, super awesome stuff. Be sure to go check that out. Um, that's it for us then. Uh, thank you for listening to the Divisional Series and enjoy your fantasy football season 2019. And once again, we are the Red Shirts. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.